Welcome to Stonebridge Online. Just before we start the service, here are some announcements and things to know. During this time of worshiping online, it's important to continue contributing to the ongoing ministry of Stonebridge. Here are the ways in which you can give. You can give online through our website at stonebridgecme.com, click on online giving. You can give through your bank's bill pay option, or you can give by mail. If you'd like offering envelopes sent to you, please contact the church office. One way our church family celebrates the holy season is through our special Heart of Christmas offering. The Heart of Christmas offering is divided between five important ministries that make a difference all year long. Action, Impact, Front Porch Ministries, New Church Development, and the Christmas Joy Offering. For more information on each of these ministries and to make a donation, please visit our website, click on Resources. Join us for Christmas Eve on the front lawn at Stonebridge. We have two service times to choose from, 2.30 and 4 o'clock. Registration is required. This coming February, we're excited to announce an all-new message series called Divine Appointments. You'll have the opportunity to join a virtual growth group and follow along in worship as we learn the implication of Jesus' encounters with a vast array of characters in the Gospel of John. Look for more information in the coming weeks. For those events that require registration, or for any details you might have missed, please check out the newsletter or visit our website. And lastly, we would love to know that you're participating in worship. Continue to share your news, prayers, and praises by emailing prayers at stonebridgecme.com. Or, if you're following along in version, please take the time to fill out the e-connection card. You are an important part of Stonebridge's community of faith. Once again, welcome to worship. Hello and welcome to Stonebridge's online worship. I'm Associate Pastor Jonathan Lucia, and this is the fourth weekend of Advent. This week in worship, through the lens of Isaiah chapter 53, we gather to remember Jesus Christ, our Savior, who loved us and gave himself for us. So let us draw near in full assurance of God's endless love and mercy. We give our thanks and praise to Jesus Christ who carries our sorrows, who heals our wounds, and redeems us from sin and death. Amen. Again, welcome to worship. Twenty twenty has been a remarkable year for all of us throughout the world. But here at Stonebridge, twenty twenty actually marked a couple of anniversaries, and we wanted to take a moment during the online service this week to just say thank you to Pastor Jonathan and thank you to Sally Thompson. Um, Sally has now served in her role here at Stonebridge for 15 years and Pastor Jonathan has been a pastor here for now 20 years. And God has been faithful through both of them to this congregation. So I wanted to say thank you, um, but I know that I'm also new here. So I figured there's some people that would want to say thank you to you both directly. So, Jonathan and Sally, um, here you are. Hey Sally, congratulations on 15 years at Stonebridge. We are so blessed to have you in the church office and taking care of our entire church family and keeping things organized and in order and um, your caring and uh, thoughtful ways are um, 
such a blessing to all those that know you and are touched by you. And um, I also see how willing you are to learn new things for our benefit. And I thank you and I love you. Congratulations on your 15 year anniversary at Stonebridge. How blessed this church has been to have you on staff. Your enthusiasm, commitment, organizational skills, not to mention your tech skills, are amazing and combined with your ever-present calm has proven to be the perfect balance for all who know you. How grateful I have been to have worked with someone I can truly call a friend. Thank you, Sally. Jonathan, I can't believe it's been 20 years since you first came to our church. It's been a real joy and a blessing to me and you have blessed so many people, all the youth that have come through the youth ministry while you were the youth pastor, and now all of the people that have uh, worked alongside of you on our missions team. Jonathan, you are truly a blessing to our church and to those who know you. And I praise God and thank God for bringing him, for bringing you to us uh, 20 years ago. It's been great. Love you, Jonathan. Very few people are able to inspire me and challenge me with equal measure. Pastor Jonathan is one of those people. Over the years, I've learned a lot from Pastor Jonathan. I've learned that you should never start a prank war unless you are prepared to finish it. Chocolate covered espresso beans are always a good idea in the afternoon. If you wanna get rid of random pieces of junk mail, just put it in Pastor Jonathan's box. And peanut butter is in fact green. Pastor Jonathan has many roles in my life, youth pastor, mentor, colleague, and friend. And I am forever grateful that I listened to his wisdom and advice as he nudged me in the direction of answering my calling from God. Jonathan and Sally, thank you um, to both of you for all that you've done. Thank you for the faithfulness you've shown. And may God continue to bless you and bless Stonebridge and bless your work here to this congregation. Thank you both for the faithfulness that you've shown.
Hi, Stonebridge. Our reading for today comes from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 through 6. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. And as one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases. Yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole and by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray we have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is the word of the Lord. Hello, Stonebridge. This week, we are continuing our sermon series entitled Anointed, where we are looking at the prophecies in Isaiah and looking at how the New Testament authors interpret those prophecies and apply those to Jesus so that we can answer the question, why was Jesus sent? What was God doing in Jesus? And how can that shape our hope for what Jesus will do in our lives? So as we turn to the scriptures, I ask you to pray with me. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, as we look at Isaiah 53 and the words of the prophet, I ask that you'd open up our hearts our understandings, our eyes, our ears, so that we can understand you better. So we can understand your work better, and we can understand what it was you were doing in Jesus as our Messiah better, Lord. Deepen our understanding of our Lord Jesus, so that we can be your faithful followers in this world. We thank you, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So the last few weeks, as we've been going through this series in Anointed, we've been looking at the prophecies, prophecies in Isaiah and trying to dig a little bit deeper. We've been trying to look at how were these prophecies received originally? And how did the New Testament authors receive them and apply them to Jesus? The first week we talked about how Jesus was sent to mend the broken things in the world. Then we talked about Jesus was sent as the Messiah to strengthen faith. And then we talked about how Jesus was sent as the Messiah to provide a path towards deliverance, towards salvation. And this week, I actually think looking at Isaiah 53, we don't have to dig as deep to understand what Jesus was sent to do according to Isaiah 53 and the way the New Testament authors quote Isaiah 53. Now, Isaiah 53 is maybe the most widely quoted chapter of the Old Testament in the New Testament. Now, I don't know if it is or not. I haven't done research into that. But I, when I look at how many different authors quote Isaiah 53 in the New Testament, it's pretty remarkable. Matthew quotes Isaiah 53. Mark quotes Isaiah 53. John and Luke quote Isaiah 53. So we have all four Gospels there. Then Peter quotes Isaiah 53. Paul quotes Isaiah 53. And I'm sure Mary would have also if she wrote a gospel. But pretty much all of the New Testament authors quote Isaiah 53. 
This chapter is central to their understanding of what the Messiah was sent to do and of what Jesus actually had done as the Messiah. And it should really surprise us when we look at Isaiah 53 and understand that this is how they interpreted the Messiah's mission. Because Isaiah 53 is all about suffering. It's about this mysterious figure called the suffering servant. This person who is going to suffer on behalf of others. The New Testament authors, they quote this chapter, all of them, to help point to Jesus. Helping us understand that the Messiah was sent to suffer. The Messiah was anointed to suffer. This was a core part of what the Messiah was to do. Suffering wasn't a byproduct of what the Messiah's mission was. Suffering wasn't just an effect of what the Messiah's mission was. Suffering was a core central part of the Messiah's mission. That may not actually surprise many of us because we talk about Jesus' suffering regularly. We talk about Jesus going to the cross and we're used to that. But when we stop to really think about it, it should surprise us. It should surprise us a great deal. Because look around at what our culture celebrates. It doesn't actually celebrate suffering. It doesn't lift it up as a value. We celebrate people that help alleviate other suffering and for good reason. But suffering itself, I think it makes most of us uncomfortable. Even talking about it can make most of us uncomfortable. And there are difficulties in talking about suffering and talking about it well. A number of problems we have to be aware of when we talk about suffering. One of these is actually a really practical concern that the church had to deal with at one point in its history. We can't actually lift suffering up as too high of a value. And let me explain that real quick. Early on in the church's history, the church found itself in this position where it was being persecuted. And younger Christians, they got it in their minds that being martyred and suffering were glorious, that they were honorable. And they intentionally went out and tried to seek out suffering and tried to actually throw themselves into the position of being martyrs. Instead of just standing up for their faith, they ran headlong into persecution and sought it out. And there's this period in the church's history where you can see older church leaders writing and teaching younger Christians, stop throwing your lives away. Don't be so reckless with your lives. And they taught them this for a very practical reason. If people kept on dying in the church, there would be no church anymore. They needed to have Christians who were creating new generations of Christians, who were evangelizing and helping other people come into the faith. And if they kept throwing their lives away, there'd be nobody to do that work. And the church's message would die. So these church leaders are saying to younger Christians, it's, it's appropriate to value suffering, but not to this extent where you're throwing your life away and you're missing out on what it is God is calling you to and why God gave you life in the per first place. 
So we can't lift suffering up too high as a value. We have to keep it in an appropriate place here. We also have to be careful when talking about suffering, particularly when we're talking about other people's suffering. If we start talking about other people's suffering or other cultures suffering or start comparing suffering when we haven't actually experienced what those other people have experienced or other cultures have experienced, whatever we say is just going to be untrue. In order to really talk about suffering well, we have to either have endured what somebody else has endured or recognize a healthy distance between what we experience and what they experience. We have to be respectful of other people's suffering and not try to just brush it under the rug or too quickly say it's a good thing you suffered. That's not the way the Bible addresses um, suffering all the time. When the Apostle Paul's talking about suffering, he's doing so from a position of he's suffered as well. He knows what everybody else is going through. And in helping us understand the Messiah's suffering, the Bible helps us understand that we know that Jesus can sympathize with us because Jesus endured suffering. So that healthy distance between our suffering and other people's suffering and not jumping too quickly to tell somebody that they should be grateful for their suffering, but pausing, listening to them and learning from them and respecting the distance between our experience and theirs, that's important when we're talking about suffering as well. So there are some boundaries we have to place about, around suffering. But we also have to acknowledge our culture is not very good at talking about suffering. And when I say our culture, I mean the United States culture, particularly United States suburban culture. It's not great at talking about suffering. We try to avoid it. We try to avoid the things that make us uncomfortable, what causes discomfort in our lives. We try to avoid things that cause pain and too quickly, we try to brush things under the rug. We don't actually talk about the fact that the Messiah's mission was central to the idea of suffering. Suffering was a core part of what Jesus did, and suffering is what God did in Jesus on our behalf. And I think for us as Christians, we have to learn to talk about suffering and to talk about it well. Because we can't avoid it. The sad truth of suffering is we are all going to experience it at some point. You don't get through life without suffering at some point. And I know that there's many of you right now that are in the midst of moments of suffering and pain. And it's real. So we have to learn to talk about it well so that we can hang on to our hope in those moments. So we can cling to our hope in those moments. Because we're all going to experience it at some point. I remember when I was 18 years old. I was getting ready to graduate high school. And one thing that I enjoyed and loved doing was surfing. I noticed a couple months before graduation that when I got out of the water, my left wrist was hurting. And I thought I just sprained it. So I didn't think too much of it. Gave it a couple months, assuming it would just heal. I'd skated before and sprained my wrist numerous times. It felt like that. It always healed before I thought it would again. 
But a couple months later, I noticed that the pain I was feeling was now also in my right wrist. And not only that, but my fingers were swelling up at the joints and I was experiencing pain in those joints. And at one point I looked down, one of my fingers had swollen to the point where the end of it was crooked and pointing outwards towards my pinky. And I remember thinking to myself, I really need to go see a doctor. And then I remember thinking to myself, I really need to just go play basketball with my friends instead. And I ignored it for a couple more months because I was naive, I was foolish, I thought nothing could hurt me. A couple months later, it got to the point where it was difficult to walk. Um, I couldn't do things like open jars. Gas cap on my car was difficult to close. Just the steering wheel, um, it created a lot of pain just navigating a car. And I finally went to the doctor. After about a month of testing, I received a diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis. For those of you who are unaware, rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune disease. It means that my immune system is dysfunctional. It will eat away at my joints left to its own devices. For whatever reason, my immune system gets tricked into thinking that my joints are a disease that need to be attacked. And this disease, rheumatoid arthritis, it can create um, inflammation, pain, swelling. There's no cure at this point. The best you can do is manage it. Um, and left to its own devices, it, it will create crippling. So I was at age 18 getting this diagnosis and, and receiving this news. All of my best friends were off at college, having new experiences, meeting new people, um, dreaming about the future, and I was navigating insurance companies and different medications and trying to monitor side effects. It was a really difficult time in my life, that adjustment of losing your health at age 18. I, I experienced a level of suffering, and I had this physical reminder of suffering where in my own body, in my joints, because of no fault of my own and completely outside of my control, I experienced pain that wouldn't just go away and that would only get worse without medication. Now, with any sort of chronic illness, there's the, the physical aspect, which is difficult, but then there's the emotional side of it. And the emotional suffering that goes along with it, the, the grief in that, that is almost as difficult as well. And I went through a hard couple of years. Anxiety and depression set in. Um, it was grief mixed in there. And learning about all these different feelings and learning about what life was going to look like now and letting go of a picture of life. And it was not an easy time. Now, I do want to say that as I talk about this time that I equate with suffering in my own life, I do recognize it could have been a lot worse. I had a lot of things going for me. I had health insurance. I was able to get medication. And there are people who have chronic illnesses and all sorts of other infirmities that don't have those benefits. So I don't want to overstate it. But at the same time, I don't want to diminish the fact that that was a difficult time in my own life. And it was a difficult adjustment, and there was a level of suffering there. But something switched in my mind. And a couple of years into it, I, I stopped feeling like I was being defined by my suffering. And what, what switched for me was 
I began to reflect more deeply on the cross and on Jesus's mission as the Messiah and what it was that God sent Jesus to do. Jesus was anointed to suffer. And as I thought about the, the cross and as I read about different theologians who reflected on the cross, I began to embrace the idea that I think the Bible teaches us that when Jesus died on the cross, yes, it was for our sins, but it wasn't just for our sins. Jesus died on the cross for the effect of sin on the world also, for all that sin causes in the world. The burden of sin, Jesus died on the cross for that as well. So when I look at the cross, I, I could see my own pain up there on the cross with Jesus. My own physical pain up there on the cross with Jesus. Recognizing that that died along with sin as Jesus went to the cross. It began to deepen my hope in what the cross had accomplished and what God had done through Jesus' suffering. And I can't explain why, and I don't know why it had to be through suffering just know that Jesus was willing to do that for us. And that's, I think, the message of Isaiah 53 and why the New Testament authors, they all quote it to help us understand what Jesus did. Because Isaiah 53, it's not just about dying for people's sins. That is very important, and Jesus did that. But Isaiah 53 is also about infirmities, diseases, afflictions. All of those things that sin causes in this world. In Isaiah 53, that's what the suffering servant endures for the people. So when I look at the cross, I look at Jesus being anointed um, to suffer, I now see my own pain there. And Jesus overcoming that. And when I think about the resurrection... I think about the way Jesus, by overcoming death, also overcame whatever pain and suffering that we endure in this life. And it gives me hope for redemption. Knowing that Jesus' suffering included my own suffering. That it was there on the cross with Jesus. That Jesus was anointed to suffer, but more than that, was anointed to overcome suffering through the cross and resurrection. Now, I know we all will experience suffering, and many, many of you are in the midst of it right now. But I'd ask you to reflect. What is an area in your life where suffering is happening that, that, that you can hand up to the cross, that you can place there on the cross with Jesus? What is an area in your life or a loved one's life or an area in the world a people group you're aware of who are suffering, who uh, we can place it there on the cross. Because in order to talk about suffering well, which I think we have to do, we have to begin with Jesus' suffering as the Messiah and let that frame the rest of our suffering. So I invite you to embrace this truth that Isaiah 53 teaches us and that the New Testament is helping us to understand. Embrace this truth that the Messiah was sent to suffer and the Messiah was anointed to overcome our suffering. Embrace that 
because that, I believe, is where hope is ultimately found. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Hi, Stonebridge. Pastor John spoke today about the incredible suffering Jesus endured on our behalf and how that was an integral part of his mission. While there are times in this life that we or those we love suffer, we can take comfort in knowing we serve a God who truly understands our pain. During this time of prayer, please lift up the people in your life who are hurting. Or if you're in pain during this season, reflect and share that with the Lord. After this time, I'd ask that you say the Lord's Prayer aloud with me. Heavenly Father, we lift up the people in our lives who are hurting. We pray for your grace as they navigate this season. And we thank you for sending your one and only Son for each of us. Please say the Lord's Prayer aloud with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The
as you go about your day and go wherever God may call you. May you go trusting that Jesus suffered for you, that Jesus suffered for this world. But may you go trusting most of all that Jesus overcame death and suffering and that we have hope. May you go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the love of God the Father. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go in peace. Thank you.